Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, everybody out there in podcast land. You are in tune to another episode of Intrinsic Motivation, and I already have my seatbelt fastened in because we are going on a quantum evolution ride. We have a quantum evolution consultant that I'm really excited to talk about. Hopefully, we can bend some time in the 60 minutes so we can cover about three hours worth in 55 minutes. We'll see how how good we can bend time. I'd like to read her full bio because I think that is very pertinent for you to know her background as we discuss numerous topics in the next hour. So, uh, she Maria Aparis is a Paris, excuse me, is the founder CEO of the Bliss Factor, which is a quantum lifestyle consulting firm. It focuses on the body, the mindset, emotional attachment, belief system, and mechanics that connect us all to the energetic field. She gets calls from celebrities, Fortune 500 companies, recording artists. She helps them to uh, reset, rebalance, and reharmonize in stressful situations. I don't think she's busy at all because 2020 is just a piece of cake. So we'll see about that. She is a certified life coach, Kundalini yoga and meditation instructor, Reiki healer, belief clearing practitioner, massage therapist, raw food chef, crystal and gemstone healer, as well as a gifted businesswoman and entrepreneur. We're going to talk a little bit about her book, which is The Essential Gut Awakening, Mastering Hashimoto's and Other Autoimmune Diseases. And we're also going to talk about uh, her being the founder and CEO of Lotus Rising International, which is a nonprofit organization that advocates the well-being of children that have been exploited by sex slavery and organ harvesting. Wow, I, we were talking a little bit before the podcast. We may have her alone, have her back just to talk about that subject alone. And we're, I guess we're going to we have a challenge to see how much we can bend time with this quantum evolution consultant, Maria A. Paris, to the uh, podcast. Welcome, Maria. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely, and you you have such an extensive background. I, I wanted to cover all of that, <laughs> and I guess having that background makes you that quantum evolution consultant, and you you combine a bunch of modalities. Uh, let's go back to how you actually started to become a quantum. How does one become a quantum evolution consultant? Well, I guess it really goes back to um, what I used as tools for myself when I got very, very ill, and I used, well, let me start from, I went to every single doctor that you could imagine, every single um, physician and specialist who kept giving me every everything under the sun that made me feel worse or just kept me spinning around, and I was at that point where I was um, not getting any worse, I mean, not getting any better. I was um, feeling just completely lost trying to navigate my health and get my health back. And I was going broke at the same time because of spending so much money trying to keep up with all of these different doctors, but some were under insurance and some were not. And so what I discovered was that there's four pillars to getting healthy and staying healthy. And through those four pillars, when you align all of them, then you are diving into an energetic field. You're accessing an energetic field, which I call quantum, quantum energy. And quantum energy, in my definition, means that we are able to heal ourselves on a cellular level when we give our bodies the tools and the environment um, to, to do that and have access to that. One big thing that stood out to me uh, as you were explaining that, and thanks for the the foundation, is the insurance issues. And, you know, I kind of made light of 2020 being a a piece of cake, but in all seriousness, with so many people, multitudes of people losing their jobs, they lost their insurance along with that. And so it's unfortunate that here in this great country of ours, a lot of detriment for debt is usually associated with medical expenses. Yeah, I will definitely be the first one to tell you, yes, absolutely, that that is a big issue. But I will say that we are the 99%, and we are the, the vast majority of the human population. And we put we have a tendency to put 
so much power in that 1% um, in terms of giving over our thoughts, our belief system, our energy. We kind of acquiesce to them. And so what I'm saying is um, remember, remember what the bigger number is. Remember that we are the 99%, and we are not those multi-billionaires trying to run the country. We are the 99% who can unite into this energy, into this conscious collective, and be the, be the majority. But we have to unite in order for us to do this. Now, that's very interesting that you say that. We don't usually talk politics, so I want to look at it from a quantum standpoint, where I am here in Atlanta, Georgia, and we, I've noticed that every state is different in, 20, in dealing with uh, all of the trials and tribulations of 2020. Uh, there seems to be a growing number of people, like you said, that are getting united to uh, – become empowered and, and do their own destiny as opposed to giving so much power to leadership. And are you seeing that in your, where are you in the world? And are you seeing that where you live? Okay. So I, again, I'm not going to get into politics either because I, I just think that that's one way that it's a, another way of the 1% to keep dividing us. Um, mm-hmm. But if we look at ourselves as a conscious collective, as an energy working together, um, Yes, there are different states that are handling the COVID crisis and, and everything differently. Um, but as a whole, if you look at what's happening outside the country, people are really coming together and stepping into this new great awakening that's taking place. Um, I think people are just tired, one, of um, feeling excluded from um, being able to have the day-to-day benefits of food, water, shelter, and um, mutual respect for one another. And it doesn't mean that we have to agree on everything. It just means that we can agree to disagree and also still remain in balance and in harmony with each other at the end of the day. And I think with all of the programming that's going on with TV and the constant, um, you know, just drama of news and, and social media and all the stuff that's out there, it puts, that, it puts our bodies in a space of fear and worry. And that has a physiological effect, a physical effect, and an emotional effect on our whole system. And it's like they feed on that. They want us to continually be um, upset, angry, worried, and fearful. And so if you can step out of that and just look from the outside in, then you can have the, the choice to not engage in this negativity and make sure that you're um, making choices that are more inclusive and tolerant of everyone that you're around. Absolutely. And I'm sure I'm speaking for a majority of the population in the United States to say yesterday we heard some really, I mean, (laughs) In the grand scheme of things, it's not that sad, but to us, it's really sad that, you know, some major conferences decided not to play football this year. And so we're all like fear and worry, like, what are we going to do now? And I thought of that as you were talking, because since the United States is so competitive and because this year it was canceled, we were expecting to have the Olympics. And you mentioned something that was really huge about looking outside of the U.S. and you see that there is a great awakening taking place. Maybe if you were, we're talking programming, there should be some type of program of us showing that collaborative nature with other countries. And maybe potentially we wouldn't be seen the way we currently are uh, because we are not participating i think everyone's having a different interpretation of a great awakening happening right now what's your take on that i I mean yes it's a great awakening is going to be different from for everybody depending on what level of sleep they were under (laughs) you know it depends i mean if you're completely oblivious and you're hearing these these new this terminology for the first time it's it's probably not going to make much sense but for the people who have extended their journey, they, they're, they're experiencing more of the awakening in terms of uniting the collective consciousness and using energy, frequency, and field 
and realizing that um, it's not about just you at the end of the day. It's about we at the end of the day and how we can come together and just really form um, what's going to improve everything all around for everybody. Let me ask you, when you were saying uh, people are oblivious, uh, made me think of I used to live over, I used to live in, in the DR, and before I got in there, they were like, everyone's so happy, they just don't know, and, you know, when I lived over there, I was like, they should change this and change that, and they're like, you know, how do they hear one person? And when you said oblivious, like everyone learns differently. So is it your job to make sure that everyone is on your page or do you expect the universe or do you anticipate the universe's grace to let everyone grow at their own speed at their own speed? I think everyone grows at their own speed of what's right for them at that particular time. Um, I think it's my job to be here as a guide, teacher and mentor for those who are at the same frequency and in alignment with my belief system, um, it's not my job to impose my belief system on somebody else and vice versa. Um, that's what I mean by we, we can agree to disagree sometimes and still be, you know, loving individuals at the end of the day. So my job is to hold a space for people who are ready to hear and, and evolve to something else rather than where they are. Now, it's different for everyone. It's just like their health, everyone's health is different for everyone. It's not a one-size-fits-all, and it it shouldn't be. Um, We should all be able to evolve in what that looks like like for everybody. You just never know what what everybody has gone through in their life, the experiences they have, the emotional attachments to whatever trauma or drama um, that they've had, and my life is going to look entirely different to somebody, say, for example, to a child who's been trafficked, right? So I can't impose my belief system. I can only hold the space of love and light and guide and mentor as much as I possibly can to offer choices for that person to ultimately choose what's best for them. And uh, I like that, I mean, with all your background, it's so extensive. And I wanted to ask you about collaborations because there seems to be in 2020, more collaborations out of necessity and just because it's the right thing to do where it makes sense. And do you think it, it, that, you know, it's 2020, so it's hard to imagine, you know, life at, in two, at 2000 of what we will go through now. And as you were talking about our individuality as it relates to the whole or the collective, it seems there's some preliminary research, about 10, 15 years research about uh, the the individual individualized medicine, right? So, because everyone's different, everyone's body responds differently to medicine. Do you think that we'll get to a point where there's a collaboration of getting that individualized med- medical treatment and then partner with someone such as yourself to give the alternative modality treatments? Well, that would be my ideal um, situation. (laughs) I mean, so when I talked about the four pillars before about what I feel needs to happen in order for someone to reach their their optimum uh, life, like fulfilled life, the four pillars to me are, one, the physical body needs to be in alignment so that you're eating the right foods, you're giving yourself the environment without toxins and chemicals and synthetics around your home, and what you put on and in your body. And then there's the emotional part where you want to look at what you're emotionally attached to, um, whatever, um, you know, things, past past, uh, traumas and things that have happened in your life as a child, as as you've grown up. And and then mentally, your mindset, like what, what is your directed mindset? And then fourth, the fourth pillar is your connection to source, God, consciousness, energy, whatever that name is for you. So those four pillars to me must be in alignment for, us, for someone to achieve their maximum potential, right? Because if your physical body is out of alignment, you're experiencing ill health, it doesn't matter how great your um, your emotional, you may think, oh my gosh, I'm so happy and everything's so great. And it's kind of like you're living in that, um, that Pollyanna space, right? 
But if you're not really dealing with your physical body and what you're putting in it, if you're constantly eating fast food, there's no way you can possibly sustain that. So when you say, is there a way to, to combine and collaborate? I mean, yes, there's absolutely a way. Will it happen? Um, it can. I think that more functional medical doctors are open to um, looking at alternative modalities that are out there. And mm-hmm. if you look at the people who have been the most successful in life, um, you're looking at people who have, have had some kind of coaching or mentor or guidance in their life to help them get there. It's like, you know, trying to coach. Um, it's like trying to have a successful football team, right? You need a coach to guide them and mentor them and facilitate how they're going to do their plays and, and schedules and all of that fun stuff. So, we want to take that football coach and, and apply it to everyday life in order to maintain and even achieve harmony and balance. Now, when you're talking about the four pillars, and, and thanks for highlighting those, is that in the correct order, or is there a specific order, or is that also from an individual basis? That's, I have found my clients have start with a, their own individual basic. So I might start with somebody who has um, just maybe, you know, three, weighs 300 pounds, um, has a heart of gold, like the, the emotional state might be like, yes, I, I love everything. And I'm just so happy. Um, and then her, her mind, mindset might be um, kind of fluctuating between positive and negative. And then she might have zero connection to, to God's source, um, universe, whatever that name is, right? So I know that I want to start with what's working the best first. So I would say, you know, let's go with the emotional set of your, you have a heart of gold. That's probably going to be able to open the doors to what else is needing to be realigned. Mm. What per, what percentage do you have of, of clients coming to you of, you know what, I got this four pillars going, I just need to refine it to get to the next level, versus someone that's like a total life makeover? Uh, <laughs> I'm going to say 100% pretty much. Uh, everyone needs help with, with all areas of their, that part of their life. Um, because I think most people struggle with day-to-day of just getting through day-to-day of the mundane, right? Their life has become unfulfilled because as children, we're taught, you know, don't think outside the box. Um, creativity is really shunned upon. And if you're, not, if you're not brought up with the right foods and getting nutrients and, and, and nutrient-dense foods, then something somewhere along the line is eventually going to give. And... Um, you know, I've seen clients who have had religion basically ingrained in them since childhood who grow up to be so against religion um, because it, it is basically just shoved down their throat as, as an early age. And I've seen the opposite where somebody has been, you know, completely non, um, had zero exposure to religion and then becomes like so involved in their religion that they're just you know, they become completely transformed as well. So everybody is completely um, individual and everyone has a unique gift to share. And when we pinpoint that, when we fine tune what that is, then their self-expression and their divine expression um, gets to really just flourish and I and, and it happens rapidly. That's why I call it rapid transformation and, and radical transformation because, you know, once you pinpoint what the emotional attachment is to food, it's not just about diet. It's about do you want something to happen or do, or do you, is your goal because you want it to happen or because you sh- it should happen, you feel it should happen. And if it's a should happen, then most people will fail because there's no emotional attachment to it. But if you really want something to happen, you really want something in your life to, to come into fruition, then, then we have something, we have a spark that we can move from. We can start mm. from there. Mm. 
Now, the in the Holly, um, since you're in LA, I got to ask you a Hollywood question. So, a Hollywood question is usually we hold hands and then we ride off into the sunset and then we see the credits, right? So, usually when from our relationship or partnerships, we are on the same page, but we all grow differently. So, how do you work with someone to acknowledge their spouse if or their partner? whomever they're with, to not look at them so differently because they're going through a transformation that the partner may not be going through at the same time? Well, so what I love about our partnerships is that they typically mirror us in, in a way that it's our, our greatest teacher, right? They, our partners become our greatest teachers in life. And so if you find somebody who is, like you're finding your frequency is elevating, you're upshifting, you're elevate, you're, you're bringing more positivity into your life and your partner is like, you know, staying the same, won't budge, is, is commenting on everything that you do that it's frou-frou and it's stupid or whatever. You have the opportunity and choice to look at that person with compassion and also give an immense amount of gratitude to that person because you can say, thank you so much for teaching me how I used to be. It makes me appreciate who I am and what I'm learning even more so. And when you're ready, I'm here for you and however long that takes. Or you may find that you upshift up level so much that maybe that relationship was the one that was holding you back from achieving all the things that you wanted to achieve. And you only stayed in that relationship because it was comfortable. It, you know, those are really things that you want to evaluate because, you know, nothing happens inside the comfort zone. So I'm mm-hmm. constantly, you know, encouraging my clients to get out of their comfort zone and find the things that agitate and aggravate. Um, because when we do that, it provokes change. And you can see that the, the United States in general is experiencing a lot of provoked, you provoked, oh, I don't want to say, it's being provoked and agitated, and it's, prov- it's making the changes happen. And um, it may happen in one day, it may happen several years from now. It's, it's happening. Yeah, when I, what's, your, what's your take on dealing with clients a year ago, August, versus 2020, August? Because like you said, uh, if it's a natural progression, then you know you can you can kind of deal with it because that's what you're used to. You're comfortable, as you said. This year it seems more accelerated. Do you find that you have more people clamoring for making things the way they used to be, or is there an exce- no. is, it, is it a process? No. What are you seeing? Yeah, I've actually seen a lot of. Um, okay, so we have some clients that are embracing the change, which is great. I have some people that are. Um, really fear-based and worry, but I just, you know, keep reminding them that worry and fear is a a massive misuse of the imagination. So we want to constantly be aware of where our thoughts are and how we're using them and directing them. So use your imagination towards the good. How can you help? um, How can you help? How can you be of service? How can you um, change things for the better? Are you contributing in, in a positive way, or are you basically adding more fuel to the fire and causing more drama? Like, are you posting things on social media that are positive and uplifting, or are you constantly being that person that engages in drama? And, and you know, it, it's, again, it's not having that Pollyanna kind of attitude, but it's just being like, are you contributing? Are you making a difference? Are you being of service? Is it about you or is it about we? Mm. Yeah, and that takes me, thank you for that, because it, it takes me back to your four pillars, Maria. And so the second part of that question is the Abraham question. And when if I look at the numbers, the connection to source, so Abraham's always like, well, you know, usually a person that's on their deathbed or they get that di- prognosis a year, like you have six weeks to live or a year to live, they wind up letting go, and they may wind. Up, they may have their original prognosis of six months. They wind up living six, ten, twenty years beyond that. 
but it was because they were able to let go to those attachments. And so it, how do you speak with someone that's not, or they would perceive you as being Pollyanna to connect with the uh, source? Well, I actually consider myself super grounded. And I, I, when I hear Pollyanna, I think, yeah, you know, maybe there's some things that I have, um, you know, <laughs> I personally look at the, the brighter side um, but I do feel like I'm, I'm more grounded in terms of um, my belief system. Um, I know that you can't just wish something, you know, to, to happen. You, you really have to take affirmative action, directed intent, have the mindset to do that, and support what it is that you would like to achieve with, with all of the intention and, and energy focused towards that. You have to imagine it and believe it. And... Um, so I think a Pollyanna person or a person who has that kind of mindset won't do that. They kind of just wish there's a, a genie in the bottle. They rub it and their dreams come true. Now that can happen, but I think it's mostly because in the back of their mind, subconsciously they've been cultivating that for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And with that, I do want to acknowledge your crystal and gemstone healing experience. Because I want to give a shout out to Sanimu Laser. Uh, are you familiar with that name? With who? I'm sorry. Sanimu Laser. No, no. Okay, no worries. But uh, I'm about to tell you. So he was a small scale miner in Tanzania. You know, he has like 60 kids and all. You know, different life, whatever. So a couple of months ago, he had submitted Tanzanite stones. And he became an instant millionaire overnight, 3.4 million to be exact, for those gemstones. And so there is a lot of value in stones. And as a crystal and gemstone healer, uh, to what extent do you work with crystals and gemstones? I actually work with them quite quite a bit. Um, let's see, I. I, I I have one. I have them all over my office. First of all, I have one. I have a uh, what's called a tooth, um, amethyst tooth. It's actually sitting right here in front of me. Um, I I use the energy and the devas of the crystals to help ground and um, communicate um, with with source, connecting with the consciousness. Um, I feel that. Gemstones in themselves, if you know the history of them, you know how they're associated with um, power and and empowerment. They've been used, you know, since the days going back to the original kings and queens. They would put them in their, their jewelry because there is um, frequencies and powers behind them. There's actually, um, like, the, the frequencies that you don't hear, but if you put it up to a measuring um, device, you can actually, they can actually get measured. Are you seeing a huge shift in frequencies in your crystals from last year compared to this year? No, I have to say, to be honest, I don't think I, I have. Um, I personally haven't experienced that. Um, the, no. Not, not for me, not from last year to this year. Mm-mm. Yeah, it's just, uh, I just keep bringing it up because we have so much that is, it's the year 2020, right? So perfect vision, but fortunately for us in third dimension, it's not spontaneous or instantaneous. So we have the, the 2020 hindsight where we see it, it makes perfect sense. And right now there just seems to be so much change that, um, I'm looking at animals, are they acting differently? Or if, if you even look back to uh, late March, early April, when everyone was in the house, like there was no, oh my goodness, even in LA, no smog, no smog here in, in Georgia. Uh, the animals actually came back out. We were like, wow, look at the wildlife. And so they're on a different frequency, it feels like, and they, may, they seem like they're closer to nature. So I was just wondering, that was the reason for my question of there's ways to be grounded in seeing the frequencies around you um, flourish, if you will, through gemstones or through the animal kingdom or what have you. 
Yeah, I, I personally haven't experienced it with gemstones within the last year. Um, I haven't picked up any new gemstones in the last year, so maybe that's it. But the ones that I have have been with me for a while. Mm-hmm. That's cool. And I do want to go into your book, The Essential Gut Awakening. I'm taking it. It was in response to what you were going through with your personal uh, experience when you're talking about health issues earlier. Is that the case? Yes. Yes. So that is my personal journey of how I navigated through um, what's called Hashimoto's disease. And basically near death, I had a tumor in my throat. I was um, basically in, in bed and, um, and using the, the four pillars that I spoke of, um, that is how I got myself better and flourishing and thriving. And it didn't take that long using all natural resources. Mm. Now, learning all, and again, since it's over and you have the book and what have you, is there anything you would have done differently knowing what you know now? No, yes, I, I honestly just, yes, I wouldn't have put all my my trust and power in the doctors that I went to go see. I, I, I trusted that they had my best interest in mind, and they weren't, they weren't treating me. They were treating just any, any other body that was coming in. And, and I feel that it happens so often, and, and it makes me have so much compassion for people who are, who are suffering with any dis-ease. Um, the, yes, I believe that doctors are great, and they have a lot to contribute. I'm not poo-pooing doctors by any means. I'm just saying the ones that I went to go see, they treated me like I was a member. Um, they, they, they have a certain protocol and a diagnosis, right, that they have to give you. And I, I think that so much can be done, like you said before, with collaboration and understanding and seeing everybody as a unique body versus a one-size-fits-all. Because we're not. We've all had different experiences. We've all had different upbringings. We've all, you know, see things differently. And so when somebody can actually sit down with you and go over every single bit of what's going on, and yes, it's a journey. It's not like you stop. And let me say this. Yes, a lot of people want to just take a pill and feel better. And I get that because you can feel so bad. You can, your body can feel so bad and you can feel so tired and not feel like you're, you know, living life anymore that you just want a pill to feel better. So I get it. I understand that. But at the same time, can you take a pill for a short time until we get you back onto a place where you don't need it anymore? And that's what I don't see. I don't see anyone saying, let's try this out for like the next six months and then see if we can wean off of it, get your body back in balance with food and other natural supplements and doing some yoga, doing some meditation, um, clearing, clearing your belief system. Let's really figure out what it is that you want in your life, what's not being fulfilled, and let's go on from there. That we don't see. You know, we we see you go and you get a pill, and then and then that leads to more more pills, and that leads to more side effects and more people feeling worse. And so it's not any shame or blame. It's just, gosh, can we seriously take a moment to do things differently? Is it possible? I believe there it is. And what I'm what I'm hearing as you were saying that for the person that's listening and hopefully not driving. But if you are driving, keep your eyes on the road. But if, if I were to close my eyes while you were just explaining that and, and the feeling of, you know, I just want a pill, I think you've highlighted the opioid, the conflicts that we're having right now where there isn't a, you know, that one solution because we have that, that I just want a pill, which leads to more pills. And now because of, of, of everything happening with the pandemic, they can't go to the hospital per se, unless it's coronavirus related, at least here in Georgia, it's like that. So doctors aren't even seeing people in, in that is part of the news, you know, I'm going into this fear and worry, but the, the people that aren't being treated for opioid uh, addiction, 
in 2020 is a lot different in 2019. At least there were, it seemed to be more resources to uh, at least deal with those folks a year ago versus today. I would imagine you're right. I mean, they're not going to have access to that. And, you know, that's unfortunate because I know that, you know, you can get injured and be addicted to opioids. It's, it's not like you're on the streets and you're just a junkie trying to get a fix, although it can turn into that. Um, but I feel that the opioid addiction comes typically from an injury. And, and some people are in such a vast amount of pain that they'll take it and then the addiction takes place. And so, you know, it's, it's a, it's a cycle that we would like to see end in this lifetime. And as you were explaining what you were going through, um, that was the impetus for your book. It, it also, my eyes, my, I close my eyes a lot. <laughs> so, like, anyway, it sounds like the four pillars, right? Like you had a, a body, a physical body. Hey, you know what's going on? What's the attachment? Why is this happening? Um, the mental and then the connection to source is saying, hey, you know what? I need to look outside myself as opposed to what I'm currently doing with traditional medicine. And, you know, I just need to find a solution. So it, it sounds like you you are a perfect standard for living your four pillars? I definitely follow the four pillars. Um, I don't know of any other life coach that teaches these particular four pillars. Um, the, the reason I, I, I teach the four pillars is because I am the one that used them to get my life back. And um, if other people do, that's awesome. I'm so excited because that means that you know, this, it, the, the Great Awakening is connecting us all on the conscious level. And so, yes, <laughs> that's great. Um, but, I, but I teach what I know and I teach what I do for, my, what I do for myself. And mm-hmm. so I think that the best coaches are the ones who have, who have been there. And the best coaches are the mm-hmm. ones who have essentially lived through um, illness, um, being broke, being uh, broken, feeling broken, um, and getting all of that stuff back and developing a system for it. And that system, ultimately, it, when followed, leads to success. Mm-hmm. And since hindsight, for the most part, is 2020, how do you deal with someone that's going through a, a current crisis and go, embrace it, yes, this is going to, when you get through it, it's going to be such a breakthrough, you will be a, a beacon for other people. How do you get that person to listen to you? Like, are you on something? Like, what's happening here? Well, no, because, I mean, you have to start at, you know, you want to meet the client where they're at. Right. So if you're so the conversations we would have would start with, I hear you, I understand you, or I just hear you. And we'll start there and then we'll build from there. Because if a person is experiencing an immense crisis, the first thing we want to do is physically address the adrenals. Um, We want to find a place where they experience calm to remember what that's like in their body, in their mind, in their spirit. Um, again, it's not going to be a one-size-fits-all, so I meet them where they're at, and we start from there. Um, everyone is at different levels, and what crisis is to me may not be crisis to you, and vice versa. And so I can't treat um, every client the same. I can't I, – I, it's a really – an opportunity for me to really dive in and that's what you get with me you get me um, to dive in with you to see what what is it that is is making me feel this crisis differently than I do if it's the same crisis so to speak why why do I handle it differently than you do what mm-hmm. what belief system are you attached to what traumas do, do these do these trigger for you and so when we can get to the root of those, then we can, you know, see what tools we can apply and move on from there. Yeah, I like what you said when you said that I hear you, because I think that would sum up social media as a whole. 
our experience as a whole, right? You just want acknowledgement no matter where you are. Like if you're working, I want acknowledgement for my next promotion. Or if I'm in a relationship, I want that acknowledgement. I hear you. Are you, do you hear me? And I think you speak to someone's soul when you actually say that, and that would potentially ground them. Like, oh, wow, I, this is someone that actually sees me, right? And I think that's where you make you probably are having your, your uh, quantum evolution happening. Um, and I, I did want to ask you about Kundalini Yoga as well, because you are a yoga and meditation instructor. So can you explain what Kundalini Yoga is and how is it different from every type of yoga? I know there's a ton of hot yoga and what have you, but what is, what's the meaning behind Kundalini Yoga and how do you use that with clients? So Kundalini Yoga is considered the spiritual yoga, and um, it's ancient, ancient wisdom. And it's more of an activation of the prana in your body, which ignites the, um, the energetic field. So we do a lot of breath work in what we call kriyas. These are postures. And we really, really focus significantly on the breath and how to um, use the breath to circulate and bring blood, um, to, to oxygen to the blood, to the organs, and to the brain. And we have this kundalini energy that sits dormant in, behind our solar plexus or in our solar plexus. And when that's activated, it sends signals throughout your body and increases the energetic field, and it, I mean, some people call it a kundalini experience. It's, um, it's when you feel um, almost like a euphoria in, in a really grounded way. And it does take a teacher to help guide and mentor you through this. And so when that happens and your kundalini is, um, rises, that's what they call it, kundalini rising, it's this energy that rises through your body and it kind of makes the cyclical um, uh, energetic field around you and um, it increases physically your blood flow, your, your brain activity. Um, mentally, it's very calming. Emotionally, it's very, um, it gives you focus and it's probably one of the get, greatest gifts I've given to myself in my lifetime in this lifetime is it, being able to experience um, being at the, the teacher's training and all that entails because it, you want to be in a place where you can have chaos go around, go off and around you and still be able to maintain your focus. And so mm-hmm. that, that's what Kundalini is for me. It's being able to see chaos is going on all around you and you can still see very clear and know how to respond. So I always tell my, my clients, there's the student reacts to outside circumstances. The master responds. So there's a big difference because the animalistic um, reaction is fight or flight and fear and bite, right, anger. But when you go into the mastery level of respond, then you assess the situation in a calm way, maintain your grace, and you're able to respond. Do I go left? Do I go right? Do I go straight ahead? Or do I stay where I am? So there's, there's a difference. And I think with Kundalini Yoga, that, that cultivates that ability to be able to do that. Were you also able to see that the person going through, quote, unquote, crisis or crises in some cases, that they're, they were also... Uh, shallow breathing and you saw that oh okay if I'm not like you said if I'm not um, responding then I am right in the moment and when I'm breathing more deeply it allows me to expand to see the bigger picture yes absolutely would that that be the connection okay yes and if if that's the connection because that leads me to my third part about you being the founder and CEO of Lotus Rising International. It's a nonprofit organization advocating the well-being of children that's been exploited overall. You see a lot of pain, a lot of trauma in that space. How do you, 
how'd you get a, how'd you get interested in that first of all? Well, okay, so I uh, let's see. In August of last year, I I sent in all the paperwork for a five hundred one c three, having no experience with with how to run a nonprofit at all. And um, the reason I I did that, I, I I sat on the fence for a long time. I sat for probably a good six months, going, I, I know I need to do something, but I just don't know how I'm going to do this, and is this the way that I want to do it? And the reason I I found my yes is because I heard stories of children who were rescued who were at the age of as young as four years old who were being victimized um, sexually every day, 20, 30 times a day, seven days a week, um, every single day of the year for years. And um, at that moment, something inside of me shifted and I knew that no matter what I was going to do, I was going to at least help change the story for one child minimum and start there. And so it's, it's a heavy, heavy topic. However, what I've decided to do with my organization is to focus on supporting people who do the rescues. Now here in the United States, those rescues are done by, um, you know, the Department of Justice and police and all of that. So there's no private sector that's doing um, rescues unless they've been hired by the government, right? So the, the other countries, however, um, Southeast Asia, um, other, like Mexico, those kinds of places, there's really no one to tell somebody that they cannot really rescue. Um, or go into the brothels and rescue the kids. So, um, so we've supported those rescues <laughs> in the past. We we send money to the the people who are actually on on the ground and getting risking their lives trying to save these children. And um, so I've supported the rescue of over 300 children just by doing that. And wow. um, and so. Here in the United States, however, um, there's a huge uh, amount of children who are trafficked and exploited. And um, my focus here in the United States is mostly on recovery and reclaim. So what that means is recovery programs that will help them um, recover from the trauma, um, the emotional trauma, and to get them into programs that can um, teach them emotional intelligence skills and have them um, work out emotionally what happened so that they don't have to carry that with them. And then in, we also focus on reclaiming. So I like to, um, I'm working on putting together scholarships to um, different trades, like maybe hair, hair styling or cosmetology, um, bookkeeping, accounting, things that they can get skills on um, that will help them get their self-esteem and provide for themselves other than going back to trafficking. Because unfortunately, what I found out is that children in the United States are coming from foster care some of the time, and um, they're they're either typically run away or they're coerced into trafficking, and um, once they're they're rescued, one of the places that they're being sent to is because there's no room in foster care or it's not a good situation back at home. Is they're putting them in juvenile detention centers, and um, you know, and a lot of the children they have been addicted to drugs, uh, forcibly taken given drugs um, to make them um, uh, acquiesce to whatever is being done with them. And um, so they have detox facilities inside the juvie centers. And so unfortunately they go back into a place where there's, there's no nurturing. There's no, um, there's no place really for, for the emotional recovery. It's almost as if they're being treated as criminals. And so 
I just I hold the vision that we are the generation that puts an end to this, and I hold the vision that we um, we come together as as mothers, daughters, sisters, brothers, fathers, and just make it not about us but about the children at the end of the day. Like I said, it's not about I or me; it's about we. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and with that being said, you know, I have to give a, a quick acknowledgement and a rest in peace to uh, Daisy Coleman. Uh, she was a assault survivor in the Netflix documentary, Audrey and Daisy, and it was about a week ago, I believe, she actually took her life. So as you were saying, if there's no place to, to at least go through potentially four pillars to help them out of that experience, that, that pressure may be too much. And, you know, we have younger and younger people leaving the earth voluntarily on their own, you know, before it's time, just because that, that seems to be the only uh, exit at the time. You know, it's, 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 it's also, um, if I can combine the two, just like the opioid crisis where it's hitting so many people in so many walks of life, uh, you said the juveniles were seen as, as criminals and such, so people weren't addressing it. But this year, 2020 especially, uh, you have people in all walks of life that are being arrested, going to prison, and there's these big rings. I mean, it's just, it's it's really scary. It's daunting. So I have to applaud you for, you know, doing your part with Lotus Rising International. Thank you. Eventually we'll have a CEO that takes over and really knows how to, you know, focus on the nonprofit part of it so that I can focus on the outreach and continuing to bring in um, the programs and, and matching them with the children that need them. And so for now, you know, I just encourage everyone to start somewhere. If it feels daunting, if it feels uncomfortable, if it feels like, you know, what you can't do is turn the other way. You, you know, you can choose to, obviously, but I'm going to encourage you not to choose to turn the other way because now you know that this is happening now that you know that this is taking place to children as young as four years old if younger in some cases just do something um if you're interested um you know reach out to us on the, on the website and it's lotusrisinginternational.com and i'm sorry dot org and um see what you can do i mean like i said it's, it's going to take a village for us to end this but we have to end this Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's where perception-wise, I, I think 2020 is one of the best years ever because it's, it's bringing a lot of things to the forefront that we need to address that have always been pushed aside. And so, you know, dealing with these children and, and just the, the hellish situations that, they, that they're that they in, you know, it's, it's an, on front street now. Like people cannot, as you said, turn away. <laughs> and if you're stuck in the house, you're seeing it like all day on the news. So... I think at least from an awareness standpoint, that that's really good, especially for 2020. And then having resources like you of, okay, what can I do about it? Like what are the stages, which is, which is phenomenal. Um, going back a little bit with, uh, with Lotus Rising and with, with the bliss factor, how are you, how, how has your business changed if people can't see you? Do you do a lot of remote and what does that entail and how is that different from seeing you in person? So everything that I do now is online in in terms of my coaching. And um, it's actually, I feel like it's, um, it saves a lot of time for the client and there's less stress involved because there's no commuting back and forth. So I think it's been even more effective and um, we use, you know, video conferencing. So I'm able to still, have nice, good, deep quality time um, speaking to everyone and um, and still being able to maintain, you know, the, the relationship with everyone. Mm-hmm. And so what's the perfect way to start working with you? Is that to get the book and learn about Essential, essential Gut Awakening or would they go to your website and sign up for a consultation? Like, what's the ideal protocol? So the best way to start working together is to contact me through my email. Um, it's maria.aparis at yahoo.com. And um, the, 
I have a new client assessment form. We go through what it is that you want to accomplish. Um, it's, it's a, my program is a, is a year-long incubator, so it's a 12-month incubator. And it's super in-depth. It's basically I take anything and everything that you want to accomplish in that year, and I reverse engineer it and customize it specifically for you. And we go through um, month to month on what it is that you want to accomplish in that month. And then we have um, accountability sessions every week. And so I, we check in with each other, and I make sure that you're doing what you say you're going to do. Um, you're following through. You're committed to the process. And if we need to shift anything, we do that. And it's, it's really incredible to, to see, you know, the client that had weighed 300 pounds, lost 17 pounds in three and a half weeks. Um, the client who weighed 224 pounds lost 24 pounds in um, three and a half weeks. And that's because we're working on all of those pillars. We're aligning everything together, and it is it makes a world of difference. And again, it's not about weight. You know, one of my clients is launching her new business, and um, and we have been able to basically put her on a trajectory to where she is. Maybe has spent the last three years contemplating her business into now she's getting ready to launch it within like the next 30 days. So it's really an accelerated um, process, and you come at me with your wildest dreams, and we will we'll break it down and, and make it happen. No, that's that sounds really exciting, and I'm I'm laugh- I want to get your take on on this meme. I don't know if you've seen it yet because uh, they were showing a meme of of New Year's Eve 2019, and then they showed the meme of 2020. And so everybody's celebrating when the, the t- clock strikes 12 because 2020 is finally over. And then the calendar turns to December 32nd, 2020. Like, <laughs> we're not getting out of the year. So the fact that you're actually a 12-month process is really good to keep, you know, keep people in mind uh, or mindful because that those first 30 days of starting anything new is a challenge and they usually drop off. So I like that you do have that 12-month process. Yeah, I think the, the accountability and the 12-month process are, are actually what gives my clients the most success um, because there's, there's everything from we take pictures from the very beginning of where they started, and we take three months, six months, nine months, and 12-month pictures. And you can see um, the difference, not in just their, their – physical body but their face you know as well they're just they're happier they're lighter um, they feel accomplished and when you look at the most successful people in the world they're 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 coaches by their side they they have whether it's sports you know like we talked about before or it is um, you know whatever field the most successful the most people who really get the most out of life are the ones who have some kind of mentor and guide absolutely and, and why to... not pick the one that's been through all of that stuff <laughs> you know that's the thing too that you know i always find it curious it's like someone's going to teach me about my health that they've never been like sick before they they don't know what it's like to to feel rock bottom or someone's going to coach me through how to make a six-figure income but they've never done it before or you know what i mean it's like i want a coach that's done all that stuff I want to co- exactly. somebody's going to coach me. Like you want somebody who has, who's done it. I've gone from zero to six figures. I've gone from being on my deathbed to thriving in life. Like all of these things and the and the pillars that I teach is because I have been there, and that's why I know I can start from where you're at and and guide you along the process. So if we are at point A and we want to get to point B where we can establish the bliss factor. How would they get in touch with you, and how would they find out more about getting your book as well? So the Bliss Factor, um, you can basically go to mariaapparis.com, and it has all the information on the Bliss Factor, and then there's a link also to purchase my book. Phenomenal, phenomenal. 
Well, with that, you have just been in tune to another episode of Intrinsic Motivation from a Homie's Perspective. This is Hamza and Maria. It was a pleasure speaking with you. I think we achieved some quantum evolution just in this podcast, (laughs) and I'd love to have you back at some point. I would love to be your guest again. I'm so thrilled and so honored. Thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you. Cheers.